I'm in part two of bringing hope to a hopeless world. So if you haven't got part one, go and get that, and then this is going to make a lot more sense. So if you haven't heard part one, this will be a little bit, you'll have to run with me, uh, and then go back and listen to, to uh, part one. So we've been talking about the sower and the seed. Jesus gave a beautiful par- parable about the farmer sowing seed and where the seed fell and so forth. And then he related that to his disciples. And what they discovered in that, we'll talk about that today, is that Jesus was basically saying, you are the farmer and you're also the soil. And you got to learn to relate on those different, you know, perspectives in the parable in order to be successful in what the meaning and intended purpose of the parable is. So last week, we talked about the sower, the seed, and the soil. We noticed there was four kinds of soil, and we looked at three of them. Today, we're going to look at the fourth one. But if you remember the three, the first one was the roadside. The farmer's just throwing seed, and some of it falls on the roadside, right? And birds of the air came and ate it up. And that was symbolic of something else. That was the surface the, 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 the uh, part of the parable that's, that's dealing with natural phenomenon. And Jesus later points out that what that's in reference to is Satan, who comes to steal the seed, which is the word of God, out of the hearts of people. And if their soil, the soil of their heart is like a roadside, then the word that they receive is soon plucked up by the en- enemy so that the person doesn't receive the effect of the grace and the power of the word of God. The second type of soil was the soil that had rocks in it. It was rocky soil. There wasn't enough soil because of the rock. It couldn't hold the moisture. And that, of course, Jesus says, is really an issue of temptation and testing. That when testing and temptation comes, people that are not well grounded via that good soil fall away. They receive the word, they begin to grow, trials come, temptations come, crisis, and they fall away. And then the third kind of soil was the soil that had weeds in it. It says that the weeds grew with the fruit and choked it out, stunted its growth. And Jesus goes on to say, that's the kind of person whose soil has weeds. And the weeds are represented in, they worry about everything around them. They worry about the things of this life, pursuing riches and pleasures. And because of those distractions, they don't grow into maturity. They're stunted in their growth. And then finally, the good soil. And that's where we pick it up today the good soil. He talked about good soil in this story. Before we go there to that verse, I want to ask us some questions. Here's some questions for us to consider. Let's let the Holy Spirit come and illuminate our hearts. First question is, is what kind of soil am I, right? What kind of soil am I? Or more pointedly, What kind of person 
am I? Am I unconcerned with who Jesus is and his claim on my life? Am I easily blown out when adversity or temptation comes? Do I get all deeply offended when I'm reproved or corrected? Am I easily distracted by the worries of this life, the lure of getting rich, or the pleasures of this world? Am I truly seeking God and hungering for what is true and right and good? If we are not, then our soil is lacking what is needed to receive the word and have its intended potential realized. We need to pray and ask God for the right mix of soil and fertilizer so that our hearts are primed for his word and its intended effects. We need to pray for that. If you find yourself in one of these other camps, pray, God, come give me some rich, dark, living soil. Mix some fertilizer by the power of your Holy Spirit. Change my heart that it would be good and honest and upright towards you. If we do, God will respond and change our hearts. The second question is this. Are we sowing seed? The seed is the word of God. Are we sharing the word of God with those around us? If so, how? Where are we sharing? To whom are we sharing? You see, in order to be a good farmer, we'll need to sow plenty of seed and to sow it in good soil. You want to sow a lot of seed and you want to be careful that you sow it in good soil. That makes a person a good farmer. So we need to get a plan, a good plan, and sow our seed so that we can reap not only the fruit of that, but the reward that comes for being faithful as a farmer and sowing the seed of God's word in those around us. So let's pick up the parable, Luke 8, 15. This is the good soil. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. So let's unpack this. These are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart. An honest and good heart. Isaiah 66, verse 2, the prophet says, God speaking actually through the prophet. But to this one, I will look graciously to him who is humble and contrite in spirit and who reverently trembles at my word and honors my commands. That's a good heart. This is something that we want to cultivate to have humility, to agree with God that, yeah, we're broken in our sin. We need help to show reverence and honor to his word, to honor his commands, to not set them aside, neglect them, but to actually run after them and apply them to our life. 
That's a good heart. That's a person who's honest with God. The next part of the, of the verse, it says, they hold it fast. Those with good soil, they hold it fast. They hold what fast? They hold the word of God fast. They hold the commandments dear. They walk in the commandments because they honor and revere the commandments. They hold on to them. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. This is the test of the prophet. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true, concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods whom we have not known, and let us serve them. Verse 3. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. Leave that up for just one moment. Fascinating passage. God says, if someone comes along in my name doing signs and wonders, comes along in my name prophesying, and what he says comes to pass, or he does miracles, and then tries to lead you away from my commands. You shall not listen to him. Why? Because God's testing you. What does that tell us? This is fascinating. It tells us that God sent the false prophet. That God's behind the false prophet. God's the one that sent him, empowered him to do signs and wonders. In order to what? to test you, to see whether or not you're going to hold fast to his word, to see if whether or not you're going to keep his commandments or follow the signs and the wonders, the miracles. It's God testing you to see whether or not you're going to remain faithful and loyal to his word. Verse 4, you shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, Serve him. Cling to him. This is the heart of God. Faithfulness to the covenant. It's not signs and wonders. It's not prophesying. It's not healing. All those have their proper place. But in terms of priority, God's saying, are you going to walk with me in my ways? Because that's what I've called you to do. At the end of the day, it's about your character, not your gifting. Verse 5, but that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk so you shall purge the evil from among you. Notice it says to seduce you from the way. The phrase the way is a synonym for Torah. It functions as kind of a code for the Torah. The Torah is God's instructions to the righteous for how they're to live their lives by his grace and through his Spirit. He says, these that come along to seduce you away from that are cursed. God says, I'm judging them. I'll use them to test you but I will judge them in the midst of that. 
But the test is this. Will we stay faithful to the ways of God? Or will we cave and get swept away in the signs and the wonders and all of the miracles? I want to shift gears and go into Matthew chapter 7 and talk about a similar passage from a different angle. Yeshua is speaking here. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Verse 22, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Verse 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Think about the ramifications of that. He didn't say, I never used you. He said, I never knew you. Yeah, he might have used you. How do you think you did the miracles? How do you think you did the healings and the deliverance? How did you prophesy? But by the Spirit of God. And yet he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Those who focused on the sizzle, the signs, the wonders, but did not walk in his ways. That's the spirit of Antichrist, the lawless one, the lawlessness that's characteristic of the last days. That's a shocking passage when you think about it. He goes on to teach this, and I think it's just profound in every way. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Who's the wise man who built his house on the rock? The one that not only heard the word of God, but responded in obedience to the word of God, who actually followed Jesus. He wasn't just a believer in Jesus. He followed Jesus. He built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who has ears, or I'm sorry, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell. The floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Both are hearers of the word. Both can recite the word. Both can even teach the word. They know the word. But only the one that applies it and walks in it makes it through the storms of life. And many are the storms of life that come to everyone throughout their life. The storms come to both. And the storms are heavy and hard-hitting. And for many, it takes them out because they were hearers of the word only, not doers. The doers of the word are described as those who built their house on the rock. The rock of what? The rock of truth. The rock of God's word. J. 
Jeremiah says, or, or God says through Jeremiah the prophet, is not my word like a rock? Doing the word, applying it to our lives. That's what it means to follow the Messiah. And his promise is this, that if you will walk in my ways, in my word, in my commands, you'll endure everything that life throws at you. And believe me, this world is throwing a lot of junk right now all around the globe. And it's just the birth pangs. This is the little stuff. The big stuff's still coming. But I can promise you that together as we build our life, our communities, our families on the word of God, together we're going to make it. We will survive it. It will come just like it comes to everyone. But when it's over and the sun shines again, our houses will be intact. Our lives will be unscathed. For God always watches over his people. He will not sweep them away in judgment. That's what he told our father Abraham. Far be it from me that I would sweep away the righteous with the wicked. We're going to be okay. King Solomon said this. Wisest man in the world, by the way. Number one wisest man in the world. Notice what he says. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's slide 73. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. It's simple. Hard to do, but it's simple, right? Fear God, revere him, honor him, take him for real. He's your father in heaven who's also the king and judge of the whole world, a righteous judge who will not wink at sin, but will judge it. He chastises those whom he loves, revere him, honor him, respect him, and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment and everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Now more than ever, we need to be walking in the commandments of God because judgment's falling all around us. It's not intended for you. It's not intended for his children. But if his children behave like those who are alienated from him, they're going to end up experiencing that which was not for them. God forbid that would happen with any of us. We need to draw near to God, love God, walk in his ways. I know God's speaking to all of us, and there's areas of our lives that God's saying, hey, shore this up, get this straightened out. Whatever that is for you, don't take that for granted. You need to, you need to respond to that while you have a chance to respond to that before judgment comes knocking at your door. It goes on in that passage we just read. These are the ones that bear fruit with perseverance. They have good hearts. They hold fast the word of God and they bear fruit with perseverance. Jesus said in Matthew 24, they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. 
At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness. And that's a Jewish text from a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish Messiah, the Messiah, to Jewish people. The term lawlessness has a context. It's Torah. It's the law of God, the instructions of God. It's, it's, it's moving away from that, less and less of what God says. The world is not without laws. We got more laws than ever before. It's just that those laws are not rooted in God's laws. In fact, those laws are unjust laws. They're laws that are bad to the core. But there's plenty of them all around. Jesus says because people are moving away from Torah, God's ways, their love's growing cold and they're turning on each other. Persecution is coming. Then he goes on to say in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who doesn't endure, it implies he will not be saved. Isn't that true? Am, am I missing that? It sounds like the sower in the seeds. Sounds like some of the seed takes root and then it grows up and then with temptation or whatever, it falls away. It doesn't make it to its intended goal. And Jesus is saying, the one who endures to the end will be saved. What that implies is that you and I have to learn to persevere under trial, under fire. We have to learn to stand up and say, you know what? Bring it on. By the Spirit of God, I will overcome. I'm not going to bow to this. I'm not afraid of this. I serve the living God. And I have a message of love and hope for you if you'll listen. But I'm not going to bow to all the pressure of the world to be politically correct and embrace the lawlessness all around us. Revelation 14.12 qualifies those who are the true followers of Messiah, those who are saved. It says, here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Where are the people of God at the end of the age? Oh, he, here they are. How, how'd they make it here? They persevered. They wouldn't give up their faith in Jesus and they wouldn't compromise on the commandments of God. If you believe in Jesus, but you're compromising on the commandments of God, that's not a good place to be. No. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. What are you thinking, right? They kept their faith in Jesus, refused to deny Jesus, and they refused to compromise on the commandments of God. And let's just talk about the Big Ten. Can we just talk about the Big Ten, right? I'm telling you right now, the church doesn't even embrace the Big Ten anymore. I'm serious. I wish I could spend some time on that, but maybe in a little bit. But suffice it to say, we're not in a good place. Our job is to keep the commandments of God without compromise 
and our faith in Jesus. Those two things will bring persecution. You realize that? Those two things will bring persecution. Try to take a stand on what the Bible says about our sexuality or about our gender. You'll be fired in most places. You're going to be true to the word of God? Because the fire will come. You may lose your job over it, but this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to hold him high, to share his love, and to walk in his ways, regardless of what the world does to you or to me. Okay, back to our parable. Let's just kind of summarize it. Luke 8, 15. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. I can't say enough about the word perseverance. Okay? What that means is you're doing all this to the end. Because if you stop along the way, you're in trouble. All of that doesn't count for much. See, it's not how fa- fast you run. It's how will you finish. I don't care how fast you're going, right? Who cares? The question is, is can you keep the pace until the end? Will you stay the course till the end? Because I can tell you right now, the end has a big climax of evil assault against the people of God. And that's where you really begin to see who's who. Oh, it's easy to believe in Jesus when there's no persecution. Easy to keep the commandments of God in the land. But let me tell you something. Keeping the commandments of God today in America, it's virtually impossible to do without bona fide persecution. Don't believe me? Just speak up. The good soil. The good soil represents people who are humble in heart and revere the word of God. The word, the word, the word. The word is so important to them. doesn't matter what your position is, you know. Our, our response should always be, where's that in the word? When we're dialoguing with people, where's that in the word? Where do you get that idea? Is it rooted in the, where, where in the text? You know, because after all, when it comes down to it, all that matters is what God says about that because that's the truth. That's real. That's reality in his, in his world that he created. The good soil, these are people that embrace his commandments and hold them fast. They pers- persevere under trial and temptations under adversity, they persevere when they're reproved or corrected. I have seen more people when, when, when they're reproved and corrected get all deeply offended and leave the church. They're not going to come here anymore. They, I'm thinking, really? Really? Because if that blew you out, you will never make it. In what's coming. Do you think, what, what, oh my gosh, oh my, oh. You, you, you know, I was a professional fighter, world class. 
And what I learned is this, you know, we, we take people into our school, had the number one fighting school in the nation. We had the most world champions, the more, most U.S. champions. And uh, I, I've watched for years and years and years, thousands of people come to that school. Most of them only made it a couple weeks. The vast majority just get in for a couple weeks and they're done. Because what, what we did is we brought them in and we wanted to see their metal, right? Because here's the deal. It, it's not even how hard you punch or how skilled you are that determines whether or not you're going to be a great fighter. You know, what, you know what determines that? If you can endure punishment. So we bring these newbies in and we would pummel them. We'd beat them bad and hard. And most of them, after a couple of weeks, never came back because they couldn't take the heat. And we said, well, that's okay because they'll never make it in the fight world. Because in the fight world, you've got to learn to endure pain and punishment. Because if you can take a punch, chances are you're going to be a great fighter. Because we can give you all the skills that you need. But what we can't give you is the psyche that says, I can endure punishment. You know, hit me with your best shot. And then you smile after you get hit hard and say, bring it on again. You know, so here's the deal. We are called to persevere to the end. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Pick up your cross and follow me. Where was he going? He was going to go be crucified. He says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. Because in the end, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And for some of you, they'll even murder you like they murdered me. Are you sure you want to follow? Yeah, we'll see. Everyone gets tested over and over and over. And you know those tests they're designed to do? They're designed to toughen us up, to build our character, to forge within us a boldness, a courage, a faith that can overcome the greater onslaught that's coming. We just get stronger and stronger and stronger until we become those overcomers like we read about in the scriptures. That's our legacy. That's our heritage. By the Spirit of God, we shall do this. We shall do this. The good soil, they represent those who love and are loyal to Yeshua as their Savior and their King. They're the ones that love and are loyal to the commandments of God. They don't compromise. They stay the course regardless of the consequences. These are the ones that represent good soil. Again, I want to say, if your soil isn't quite good, ask him for more soil, for better soil. He'll give that to you. You can overcome if you're willing, because he'll do everything that is necessary to ensure that you overcome. If you're humble in heart and you ask him. Father, I just pray for us as a, as a congregation today, for those that are, that are uh, joining us. Father, give us a transplant of soil. Give us good soil. Deep, dark, rich soil. Infused with your Holy Spirit. And just help us by your Spirit to overcome for the glory of your Son. For the sake of the world that we live in. Okay, so in conclusion, you are both the sower and the soil. So again, what kind of soil are you? If you're not the kind that you think you ought to be, ask God. He'll do the rest for you. 
Never forget that in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. The devil will come against you. He'll do everything he can to try to stop you in your tracks. Resist. By the Spirit of God, stand firm. Don't compromise. Stay the course. God will give you the victory. You will be tested in regard to the commandments of God. Keep in mind that the number one commandment, number one, is putting God first in your life, making sure that you've exalted Yeshua in your heart as Savior and King and that you've put his kingdom first. In fact, Jesus said, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. That's slide 81. Seek first his kingdom. Put his kingdom first and his righteousness. All the other things will fall into place. That's the first and greatest of all the commandments. The second one, it relates to that. No idols. Don't put anything before him and his claim on your life. To do so is a form of idolatry. No pagan forms of worship. This too falls under idolatry. Syncretism is idolatry. Are you hearing me? If you take pagan holidays and mix them with the truths of God's word, that's called syncretism. God says, don't do that. That's most of our traditional holidays in Christianity. God says, don't do that. It's idolatry. Are you sure you want to follow Jesus? Because you've got to give that up. And if you don't want to give that up, then you're not ready to be a follower of Christ. It's going to cost you something. Following Jesus costs you something. You'll be tempted to reject God's weekly corporate worship day, the Sabbath, and adopt a different day as your personal Sabbath. Don would you bring up that little white book for me, please? God's Sabbath is Sabbath. I've had conversations, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with pastors over the issue of the Sabbath. God's Sabbath is Sabbath. Sunday is not the Sabbath. And I'm shocked, I'm literally shocked to, to have people that have masters in theology, even a few PhDs in theology, argue with me on that. They're confused about that. Very celebrated Messianic Jewish scholar arguing with me. I said, I said you know, Sunday is not the Sabbath. Well, well it, it is. It's kind of an outgrowth of the Sabbath. And I said, no, no, no. Sunday is actually a separate day, a different day than the Sabbath. I've had Christians tell me over and over and over, no, Sunday is the Sabbath. The commandment is you're supposed to remember a Sabbath. No, it's remember the Sabbath, not a Sabbath. There's only one Sabbath. It's God's Sabbath, and it's not Sunday. I want to read from you. I, you know, I just want to do this. This is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, revised accordance with the official Latin text promulgated, promulgated by Pope John Paul II. It's the newest edition. You know, the Catholics, I love the Catholics. They've got so many scholars make your head spin. Been doing this a lot longer than the Protestants. 
And to be frank with you, it's the Protestants that are confused about this, not the Catholics. So I want to read from the Catholic Church what they believe verbatim. Sunday. Sunday is expressly distinguished from the Sabbath. It, it's, it's different than the Sabbath. It is not the Sabbath. They are not confused. Sunday is expressly distinguished from the Sabbath, which it follows chronologically every week. For Christians, its ceremonial observance replaces that of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, which represented the completion of the first creation, has been replaced by Sunday, which recalls the new creation inaugurated by the resurrection of Christ. The church celebrates the day of Christ's resurrection on the eighth day, which is rightly called the Lord's Day. The church says the Sabbath is not Sunday. It's the seventh day of the week. Sunday is the eighth day. And then they try to base that on the resurrection. They fully admit that the eighth day, Sunday, replaced the seventh day, Sabbath. They're not confused about that. Now, what we know, because we can read, and the Bible is now published in all kinds of languages, to the angst of the earlier Catholic Church, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does the text say? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What does God say by his spirit through the prophets? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The seventh day, not the eighth day. Sabbath, not Sunday. It's so clear. How could anyone get this wrong? I am shocked in my dialogue with most Protestants when we discuss this matter that's so dear to the heart of God. You want to follow Jesus? What day did he observe? What day did he go to church on? Sabbath. You want to follow him? That's what it means to follow him. You say, well, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't to you. But if you ask the question, does it matter to him? Absolutely, without a shadow of doubt. So you'll be tested in that. Your family, your friends, they'll think you're crazy. But you'll be tested. You're going to follow Jesus? You're going to keep the commandments? Well, that's going to cost you something. When it comes to the holy days, the festivals of God, the worship day of God, it's time for us to get serious about believing in Jesus and keeping the commandments of God. If we want to reimagine Jesus and the commandments of God, fine, but understand that the Jesus we reimagine will not and cannot save us. When we walk in His ways and in His commandments, we're identified with Him and He with us. 
and the heat will come. The world will persecute us because of that. But that's okay. You will be tempted to reject your biological gender, your sexual orientation, and related decisions. You will be tempted. Our kids are being tempted right now in the schools. The world is tempting our kids right now in America. You will be tempted to see with your eyes and judge. We are being tempted right now to see and judge and treat people based on the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. We're being tempted to hate our country and its borders, even though God is the one that gave all the countries their borders. We're being tempted to bow at the idol of wealth. We're being tempted to accept the government's perverted redefinition of marriage and family. We're being tempted to be politically and culturally correct in areas that are absolutely wrong, immoral, and frankly, bizarre. We're being tempted to take other people's wealth because we think we deserve it. People, we're being tested. But the testings will come to an end. They will come to an end. And having passed the tests, you and I will have an eternity of meaning and purpose, joy and happiness. It'll be worth it all. In the scope of eternity, the testing period is very short. It's a very short period of time. Persevere, overcome by the Spirit of God. It will bring a reward for all eternity. So I charge you, be strengthened in your faith in Jesus. Strengthen your commitment to the commandments of God. Sow the seeds of of the good news of Jesus and his kingdom with those who are looking for him. Lead them in receiving him as their Messiah in their hearts. Bring them to church. We'll baptize them and disciple them. We'll help you teach them Torah as a way of life. And then we'll take them and together we will find others to baptize and disciple as we advance the kingdom of Christ on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we are called to do. Are you ready? Are you committed? Are you sowing seed? Let's make this week a new week of ramping that up. And in doing so, receive both the blessings of God and the persecution that will come. But together, we will shine like lights in the darkness that is growing all around us. And God will see us through the storm. And people, I'll tell you what, you know, evangelism has been really hard the last decade or so. But all of that's about to change. The good news with judgment is it's so terrifying. People will begin to look for you and the hope that is in you. They're going to start saying, give me some of that seed. 
You know, where do you go? You're going to lead a host into the kingdom because of the judgment that's coming. Fear not the judgment because that's your father in heaven. And he's watching over you in the midst of the judgment. So it's going to be okay. Don't be shaken by all the things that are happening. Know that Jesus is on the throne. He's orchestrating it. And you and I, we're going to be okay. As we bring a throng of people into his kingdom. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, you know, it's a really good Shabbat when I'm ended five minutes ahead of time. So praise God. I'm going to invite uh, whoever is coming up to do the Aaronic benediction and close us. And it will be released to go and enjoy the rest of the Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom.